this up, okay? Um, we're talking about literally things that when you put these into practice, they bring you joy. They bring you life. Um, so we're in the third week. The first week, Kyle, so Kyle, <laughs> man, he who shall not be named. Sorry, uh, Ricky. <laughs> Ricky brought us uh, the, the introduction and talked so beautifully about confession. Part of spiritual discipline is understanding that it is for our good. It is for his glory. It is for our joy. And so we talked about confession. Um, James says that if we confess our sins one to another, we will be healed. Last week, Dylan talked about worship. Um, that worship isn't exactly what you think it is. It's so much more. And it's a part of our spiritual disciplines. Putting these into practice bring us joy. Because it draws us closer to the Father. It makes us look more like Jesus, which is what Christianity is all about anyway. And it helps us in that process, bringing glory to the Father, bringing joy to us. I have the most exciting one of them all today. It's called corporate guidance. <laughs> Gabe said, are you doing corporate guidance? And I went, really? Thanks. <laughs> get your pillows out. We're going to get a sleep here in a minute. And I am the type of person that when I look at a subject or I'm communicating on something, I have a warped view of reality. I have a warped sense of the way I see things I see things differently than a lot of people and I'm kind of like Ben it a lot of the way I see things just makes me laugh but nobody else gets it and so I'm over there laughing and everybody's looking at the guy's an idiot yeah pretty much okay um let me let me kind of give you for instance I bank at a place in Cleveland it is a bank that we will not name it is a regional bank <laughs> some of you got that um and it's, it's a great bank. Love the bank. Well, going into it, there's about 18 steps, brick steps that go up. And I was walking up the other day, and I get up to the top of the steps, and I go to open the door, and there's a sign at the bottom right hand of this door that says, Handicap, entrance available at other side of the building. And the mental image, and I know this is horrible, and I apologize ahead of time, but a handicapped person crawling up the steps... <laughs> And getting up there and seeing that sign and going, oh, man. I mean, that's, I have a warped, I'm sorry if that offended you, I apologize. Just wait, I'll get worse. Um, so that's just kind of the way I view things. I see things that are just different, that are warped. Elliot was telling me a story that there's a door, you open up the door, it says handicapped accessible, you open up the door, and there's a staircase. It's like things like that just don't make sense to me, right? Um, I ran into my neighbor this morning getting coffee, and William, I love him to death. He's a great guy, but William's like, did you hear what happened last night? And I was like, no. He's man, we were out partying last night about 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, I live in a neighborhood. There's about 100, about 100 units, 100 homes that are there, a neighborhood. Not a farm, a neighborhood. He says, yeah, we were out there at 3 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden a horse starts walking down the street. And I go, William, a what? He said, a horse. I said, a horse? He said, yeah. I said, now how drunk were you last night? He goes, no, seriously, there's a horse. And it was walking down the street. We're all kind of looking at it like, is this a hallucination? And I don't know what's going on. And I was like, dude, no, seriously. And he goes, yeah. So we got the horse and called the cops. And the cops came. And he said, our other neighbor almost got arrested because they were trying to take the horse home and make, keep it as a pet. I'm like going, oh, my God. But th things like that, just weird. Odd. Things that you look at, like TV shows that you look at and you go, that's just an odd TV show. Weird things. Like Family Guy. I don't get it. A lot of people say, oh, it's a hilarious show. I don't get it. 
Because when I think of a family guy, I think of somebody who's actually for his family, who's actually looking out for his family. Not somebody who's so self-absorbed with themselves that everybody else is just kind of a bit character around them. I, I don't get that. I, I see things a little differently, a little weird. And, and really today what we're talking about, I've kind of viewed it from my approach, which may throw some of you off. If it does, I apologize. But there's a point to what we're saying with this spiritual discipline of corporate guidance. And the way I want you to think of it this morning, um, we live in a culture, the church culture that we live in today is more about the individual than it is about corporate. Corporate is all of us, okay? It's not a corporation, but it's corporate. It's all of us. And when the body, the church, the body of Christ, it's, it's made up of individual members, but it's a whole. Not simply individualistic. Our society has basically made religion and faith not about the corporate entity, but about the individual. Look at the worship that we talk about today. It's about how it makes me feel. Me being the center focus of it versus corporately what it moves us towards. And so when we talk about corporate guidance, think of it this way. This is kind of the definition I kind of um, came up with. That corporate guidance is... The discipline of the body seeking the direction, presence, and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Corporate guidance is the body seeking the direction, presence, and leadership of the Holy Spirit in all matters pertaining to life, ministry of the church, according to the will of God for His glory alone. And as a byproduct comes our joy. Now, that's a big, long definition. It makes me sound really intelligent because I came up with that. I just put about four different definitions that we've already come up together with and put it into one thing. It makes it sound great. I'll read it again. Corporate guidance, the body seeking direction, presence, and leadership of the Holy Spirit in all matters pertaining to the life and ministry of the church according to the will of God for His glory alone. And as a byproduct comes our joy. Now, in that definition, what I want you to understand is, yes, a part of this is individual, but for the most part, it's supposed to be corporate. Here's what I mean by that. I want you to think back into the Exodus. Those of you that went to Sunday school and understand about the Exodus, that's when the nation of Israel, God, brought them out of the Egyptian oppression. They wandered the desert for 40 years, made it to the Promised Land. Um, how did they travel? Do you guys remember that from Sunday school? During the day, what led them? Elliot, cloud. God's presence as a cloud leading the people. At night, what was it? Pillar of fire, okay? It wasn't an individual that was led. It was the people that were led. They were led to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. God speaks to Moses. Moses comes down and begins to talk to the people. And the people say, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, you talk to us. You tell us what God said because if God speaks to us, he's going to kill us. So now the people of God are moving to more of a prophet orientation by asking Moses to be the go-between between them and God. Now you start to see the people of God corporately beginning to start moving things and orienting them to a singular mindset. They want Moses to be the prophet. Then you have the prophets of the Old Testament. The prophets who came in and gave the word of God to the people of God. Then you move that even into a more modern culture. We start to see the New Testament take over. And you've got it again where it goes from the individual back to corporate. It goes to the book of Acts. Where the people of God, the church of God is moving forward. Then it gets organized again. 
because you have Constantine come in and start organizing religion. Then you start having priests and you start having all these things. So what you see is a lot of times when God moves, God moves corporately, but we as the people try to make it more individual. God wants to move the body as a whole corporately. And that's exactly what corporate guidance is. You see it throughout scripture. Individual guidance must yield to corporate guidance. And that is a completely different mentality in our culture because our culture is all about what? The individual. I'll say it this way. Think of some of the church services that you went to that you left and you, you just... It, it, wasn't, it wasn't there. It just, it, it, I, the music was off. The communication was off. I didn't connect with it. What's some of the wording that you use? You can talk, by the way. What's some of the wording you use that we use as a people? I didn't, what? Get fed. That's a good way. I, I, I didn't get fed. Okay. What's another word or phrase that we use? Didn't connect. Okay. Didn't feel the spirit. Didn't feel the presence of the Lord there. Now I want you to think theologically about some of those things. Let me deal with that last phrase. I didn't feel the presence of the Lord. The spirit didn't move. Let's talk about God's character and nature. God is omnipresent, which means he is where, what? Everywhere. Everywhere. And we make the statement, I didn't feel the presence of God move. <laughs> Let's connect dots here. We're moving back to an individual mindset. I didn't feel the presence of God move. I didn't like the music. I didn't like the communication. Granted, it may have been off. Not music here. Music's never off here, Matt. Um, not the communication's off, Gabe, Ricky, Dylan, Kyle. You know, it's, it's, the sense is we've gone from a corporate mindset of the body of Christ as a whole to an individual mindset I didn't get this, I didn't get this. Why do we go from church to church to church to church? Same mentality. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying you're a bad person for doing it. I'm just saying we as a culture, the Western culture has determined that everything is more individualistic versus holistic as far as the group. What's that all saying? It takes a nation, does it take a village to raise a child? I'm sorry, that was, it doesn't. It takes a family. But, um, but moving forward in that process, there must also come a knowledge of the direct, active, immediate leading of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers together. Let me tell you where it really takes place or should take place, but really where it's taking place in our group is our elders. Eldership, the way we are led as a church is by elders, not by pastors but by elders. Elders are men, godly men, who spend time together. They spend time together praying, fasting, seeking the Holy Spirit in, discern, in discernment and wisdom, in, in decision-making processes. We see that take place. Hopefully, you should see that take place in all elders, but really, you see it take place in the way our elders move and flow, how they make directions, how they see things. That's what we're talking about when we talk about corporate guidance is allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one that leads us, that guides us, that directs us in our decision-making processes every day of our life, our business decisions every day of our life, the way we interact and connect with people every day of our life, corporately, which moves us individually. Does that make sense?
Well, what do you mean by this, all this stuff? Well, if you got your Bibles, do me a favor. I want you to turn real quickly to the book of Acts. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but this is kind of going to be where we kind of launch from. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to look at three verses, 1, 2, and 3. Okay, Acts 13, 1, 2, and 3. And the story here and the situation here is the body, the church, is kind of beginning its processes of moving, is continuing to move forward, but it, there's some specific stuff that needs to take place. And here, Barnabas and Saul are sent off by the church. And here's what it says, 13 verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Mananea, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Here's what's happening. The word itself the gospel is being communicated. It's spreading throughout the area. The church here in Antioch is beginning to understand that they need to launch forward and move forward. And so literally, as the church itself, as these guys were in a, in a place where they had separated, them, they were praying, they were fasting, they were seeking God's face, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, this is what you are to do. Here's a question. When was the last time the Holy Spirit said something to you? Now, I don't mean like, Luke, I am your, not, not that kind of stuff. But I mean, like, literally, when is the last time that through studying the word, through prayer, through fasting, through seeking God's face, that literally you felt God move you a direction or say something to you? If it's been a while, then part of what we're talking about here is this idea of the spiritual disciplines. As we are disciplining ourselves, these things begin to take place more and more and more and more. For me, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, for, for the way things work in my God doesn't speak audibly. He's never said a word to me. I've never heard the voice boom of it. But God has moved in people. God has moved through his word. God has moved through circumstances and situations um, in such a way like literally uh, a few weeks ago, just praying through the process of, you know, God, directionally, where do you want me to go? I've got this option, I've got this option, I've got this option. And I don't know which one to choose because they all seem like good options, but I don't know if this is the best option, blah, 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 blah. And literally having a conversation with a friend of mine, he said something and literally it was like the Holy Spirit went, bing, and I went, okay. That, that makes perfect sense now. Perfect sense. Thank you, Father, for that. I didn't tell them that because then they thought I was weird, but because they're not a believer. <laughs> believe it or not, God can speak to anybody. Have you heard the story of Balaam and his donkey? Okay, just making sure. Um, so literally, God can do whatever he wants to do because he's God. But literally, through a conversation with a person, was able to, to make a decision. God allowed the Holy Spirit to teach me through that process. And when we talk about this idea of individual guidance and corporate guidance, what I want you to understand is here we see these people moving forward, doing what it is, the, dis the disciplines they're doing, and God begins to speak through this process. What are some of the disciplines they're doing? Well, let's just look at the passage. There were church in Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, Lucius, Manonet, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, 
So we begin, one of the corporate things we do is what? Worship, okay? So last week, Dylan defined worship. What did he say worship was? You remember? Yes. I hear that. Thank you very much. Let me, let me kind of give you a, a surmised definition. Worship is our response to the revelation of God. Worship is our response to the revelation of God. Somebody, well, that sounds real close to, yeah, yeah, it is. It's very close because you understand this. If God reveals something and you say no to him, you prove that you worship something. What? Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> God says something and you say, yes, Lord, and amen. It shows that you worship something, him. So worship literally is our response to his revelation. It's a real simple, real simple definition. They're worshiping God. What are they doing? What, how does it say they're worshiping him? <coughs> huh? But what are some of the aspects of their worship? They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. How many of you fast? Do you ever know what fasting is? Okay. Let me give you a definition for fasting. Fasting is the voluntary denial of something that you normally intake every day for the purposes of seeking God's will, his direction, and his insight for something in your life. Fasting is the voluntary denial of something that you normally intake for the purposes of seeking God's face, for direction, for guidance, in a certain circumstance or situation. Um, one of the things that uh, when we first planted Oikos six years ago, seven years ago, gosh, time's flying. Um, we had a group of about, I'd say about 50 people that we asked, look, this is a prayer covenant for us and we want you to covenant with us in prayer if this is what God wants us to do. But we would like to ask you to not only pray but also fast. I did a 40-day fast um, d- decades ago when I was young. Uh, and the 40-day fast I did was from media. You know, it doesn't have to be food. Because people think fasting and think, oh, I can't eat. Fasting can be something intake every day. Media. I went 40 days without watching TV. During the Masters. It was not a well-thought-out plan. <laughs> okay? During the uh, NCAA basketball championship, which is, uh, and it's like, I got to watch stuff like that, you know. So for 40 days, I didn't watch, and, and literally it was for the purpose of seeking God's will for something. Fasting can be food. It can be a sun up to sundown fast. It can be a day fast. It's voluntarily withholding something from you that you normally intake for the purposes of seeking God's face. If it's food, every time your stomach goes, what does that remind you of? <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> but it should direct your thoughts to whom? Jesus. And, and prayer. And so they were worshiping and fasting. Worshiping involves, it could have been they could have been singing songs. It could have been that they were opening up the word. It could have been that they were, there's so many aspects of that word worship. But they were literally in the process of wanting to hear from God. And as they were doing these things, and as they were fasting, as they were doing this stuff, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. What I want you to understand is when we talk about corporate guidance, seeking God's face for direction, there's always an aspect of these things 
of some sort of prayer, okay? What is prayer? We, we define prayer. What's prayer? It's like being in a college classroom and asking a bunch of college students a question on biology, okay? What's prayer? Give me just a basic definition. Talking to God. Okay, thank you very much. Prayer, that's a great... Thank you for the definition. That's exactly what it is, talking to God. But it's not talking simply at God, is it? It's having communication between you and the Father. Um, the, kind of the definition I've kind of rolled with for years about prayer. Prayer is God aligning my will with His. Because <laughs> a lot of time my prayers begin with, Hey God, what's up with this? Dot, 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 dot. Okay? It's me kind of crying out to God about something. Some injustice or some need. Or something that I find is off. But it always ends up with me saying the words, But Father, not my will, but yours. Because I know a lot of times when I pray, I'm a selfish pig when I pray. But prayer isn't simply about me getting something from God. He's not a genie. Have you ever heard this? Well, I feel like maybe if I pray the right way, God will do something. <laughs> this isn't Aladdin, okay? Our prayers should align our hearts and wills to what God desires. These guys are worshiping. They are praying. They are seeking God's face. And much of what corporate guidance is, is us having our wills aligned to what He desires. Not simply what you desire. This is a different form of Christianity than what most people are preaching. Because Christianity, what a lot of people are preaching is, hey, you come to Christ and you're going to be happy, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be wealthy, you're going to be this, 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 and this. And then I read the Bible. Have you read the Bible about some of the biblical characters and what they go through? Have you read about Paul and what Paul went through? Does Paul sound like a health, wealth, guidance book to you? Shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, whipped, beat, stoned. And I don't mean, I mean rocks thrown at him, okay? It doesn't sound like this... Stuff that's being communicated today especially doesn't sound like the thing that I grew up hearing old hymns that talk about suffering. A lot of what we sing today is this connection of God. God, connect with me. God, connect with me. Let me connect with you. Let me connect with you. I love some of the, some of the, some of the not hymns, but some of our praise songs that talk about suffering because that's, Something we need to understand is going to happen in our life. Spiritual discipline gets us through these things. Okay? If I grab hold of something that's hot, what does my hand tell me? Let go there. Uh, I was going to say stupid. Let go stupid. Okay? And if I have any common sense, then my brain is going to say, don't grab it again. But if I don't, I'm an idiot. For us to understand that what God's saying to the corporate body of Christ is, you will suffer for my name's sake. But I will get you through it. You know what these two guys were getting ready to do? They were getting ready to step off getting ready to start church planning hardcore, and a part of their church planning was to be beaten, was to be mocked, to be ridiculed, 
And I don't mean mocking and ridicule like we get today. Like somebody makes fun of you. Oh, you've got a Jesus shirt on? What are you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean like literally slapping upside the head, pushing around, knocking to the ground, hitting with sticks, hitting with things that they can. This is real persecution. But the Spirit corporately said to them, these are the ones that I'm sending out. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is a part of what we call corporate guidance. What is it for? It is for the body to understand God calls us to do things. We are to do things. Um, have you guys ever heard of St. Francis of Assisi? Okay. What's a great, what's a great quote that is accredited to St. Francis of Assisi about evangelism? Yeah. You are always to be about evangelism, sharing Jesus with others, and if necessary, use words. Actually, I believe that was Gandhi who said that. But it wasn't about Jesus. But it was credited to St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis was a monk. He was part of a monastery. And at this time, uh, the early ages, that the, the monks had a decision to make. You either go out, serve the kingdom, or you stay in and you take a monastic uh, vow where you have a life of solitude. And, and St. Francis was there. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether to be a monk and be in the monastery and have a life of solitude. He didn't know to go out. So he literally began to write to godly men that he had contact with over the years, sent out letters, and the letters came back. He sent out some envoys. They came back. And, and literally after months of praying, seeking God's face, of, of worshiping, of fasting, of doing all the things that we talk about corporately, the letters came back and the envoys came back. And basically they said to, they said to St. Francis, the word of the Lord's come to us. The spirit of the Lord has moved us. And you don't need to be about being in a building. You need to be out among the people. That is a call of the Christian life. And from that point forward, St. Francis was like, deuces, I'm out. He was out with the people. Moved out of the monastery lifestyle and started to minister to the people. And we have so many people who came to faith because of his life. He sought out guidance from other people in this process of determining what it is God's calling the people of God to do and himself to do, these disciplines of prayer, of fasting, of worship, that literally in this process, we as a body of Christ are to do the same things. Our elders, when it comes to making major decisions, pray, fast, seek God's face, seek the, dire the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because they're the ones who are leading us as a body. If the leadership does this, how much more should we as the people? When we make decisions in life, Dallas Willard states this, I thought it was a great quote, the aim of God in history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with himself included in that community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. Such a community lives under the immediate and total ruleship of the Holy Spirit. They are people blinded to all other loyalties by His splendor. By the splendor of God, a compassionate community embodying the law of love as seen in Jesus Christ. They are an obedient army of the Lamb of God living under the spiritual disciplines, a community in the process of total transformation from the inside out. 
A people determined to live out the demands of the gospel in a secular world, they are tenderly aggressive, meekly powerful, suffering and overcoming. Such a community cast in a rare and apostolic mold constitutes a new gathering of the people of God. And may Almighty God continue to gather such a people in our day. The book of Acts is literally the story of the beginning of the church. The church would never have moved forward without this discipline of corporate guidance, of allowing the Holy Spirit to guide the corporate body as well as individuals. Through prayer, through fasting, through worship, through the spiritual disciplines, people come into contact and are partnered together. My DNA partner, uh, Jared and I, you know, part of this process, we go through this. We get into the Word, we study the Word, we, we, we talk about the Word, we allow the Word to talk about us and deal with us. Our missional communities, the things that we are involved with missional community, it is the same. These are all groups that are molded and desire to move forward, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us, guide us where we're to minister, who we're to minister to, to how we're supposed to minister. Here's the thing, is this foreign to us today? And I'll tell you, because from my, <laughs> my perspective, I'm looking out to you, you're looking at me, I'm one person, you're many. It is like, who? Remember Tim Allen, the old Tool Time show? Who? You know, that kind of, it's like, what are you talking about? That's the problem. The problem is the body of Christ, the church, many times has lost its understanding that we are a corporate group. We are a group of people. It's not just about the individual. It's about us as a community. Missional communities, north, central, south, they'll change up completely when it comes to fall because we have to add more missional communities because more people are getting involved. These are points where we launch out into the community and we minister. Missional. These communities are led through prayer, through the word, through the Holy Spirit's guidance, where do we minister to next? Who are we ministering to? What are we doing? In the corporate world, they're always asking two questions. What's our business? And what's the second question? Anybody in financing? Anybody in? All right. Two questions they ask in the corporate world. What's our business? How's business? These two things lead and direct them. At Apple, what's their business? Electronics. Electronics. Apple long ago said, our business is not electronics. Our business is connecting people. They do that through electronics. But their business is connecting people. And they're constantly asking the question, how's business? How many of you have gone from Apple to Android? Raise your hand. Three of us. How many of you have gone from Android to Apple? Raise your hand. How many of you have always been Apple? How's business working for them? It's pretty good. The church's question is, what's our business? If we're looking at it corporately, what's our, what's our business? And the second question we ask is, how's business? Our business is the gospel. 
The gospel is the communication that man is sinful. Uh, Luke Bryant's got a song out. I was listening to it the other day, and I was just about to run off the road and crash my car. Um, I believe all people are good. You're an idiot, okay? Sorry, Luke. No, we're not all good. In fact, according to Scripture, every person born on this planet is born into what? Sin. We are sinful to our core because we always choose our way over what we know is right. That is why we're sinful. I did not have to teach a two-year-old how to steal a cookie. They got that on their own. We didn't model that behavior. What do you got in your hand? Cookie? Did we tell you not to have a cookie? Aha! Uh-huh. Why do you have a cookie in your hand? You want a cookie? No. Because I have it? No. Okay, Bill Cosby. Sorry, that's offensive. But the mentality of it is, I didn't have to teach my two-year-old how to steal. That's ingrained in them. We were born into sin. We are separated from a holy God simply by that fact. You cannot come into God's presence unless you are made holy by an external force, which is Him. The gospel states that every person born on this planet is sinful, born into sin, and will reap the benefit of sin, which is what? Death. The gospel says God stepped in and sent Jesus. Jesus is the only way. By trusting in him, what we got? Believe in him, which is trust. Okay? If we look at it in that process that we believe that he is who he said he is, we believe that by what he's done, we can be free. We can be saved. So we believe, we trust, we admit our sinfulness. We ask him to save us. In that process, he saves us. Is there a special way? No. The thief on the cross... When Jesus is being crucified, the guy beside him is like, don't ridicule, don't diss him. He doesn't deserve this punishment. We deserve this punishment. Hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What kind of prayer is that? Apparently it was a good one. Because <laughs> what did Jesus say to the other criminal? Today you'll be in me in paradise. It's belief in the person of Jesus trusting Him as our Lord and Savior, and then turning our lives over to Him and living out the best way we can through the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us guidance and direction. Wow, the gospel looks a lot like corporate guidance, doesn't it? But do we do it? My encouragement to you this week is, what are some steps? Pray. Practice spiritual disciplines of worship. Think on these things. As we understand the question of what's our business, it's the gospel. We have to ask the question, what's next? Is how's our business? How are we doing in that? Who are you investing the gospel in right now? Well, that's, your pa- that's the pastor's job. Uh, no. The pastor's job is to equip you to do the work of service according to Ephesians 3. How are you doing with that? Not guilt for the love of donuts. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. I'm just asking you to ask a question that's simple. Hey, if our business is a gospel, who am I investing the gospel in? Has the gospel been invested to me? One of the ways we do that worship corporately is we actually partake of communion. Communion is our way of letting God know, hey, I understand it. I get the sacrifice, Lord Jesus, that you made. Your body 
was broken. Your blood was spilled. That body and that blood, that covering, that cleansing of your blood, because there could be no forgiveness for sin without the sacrifice of blood. That's what saves me. When I take communion with my family, I always say the body which was broken, the blood which was spilled, the covenant written in that blood is for you. Do this in remembrance of Jesus and what he's done. So when we take communion, it's, it's a sacred act for us. The bread doesn't become anything. The juice doesn't become anything. It just is what it is. It's symbolic. So we ask as we get ready to end, as we get ready to step into the time of communion, at this time when you take communion, really think about that. What has Jesus done? Not simply for me, but for the world corporately. The body of Christ corporately. And take it in that reverent aspect. If you're not a believer, man, we're, we're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. We've explained the gospel and that process, but it's very sacred to us because it's something that's been applied to us. If it's not been applied to you, just refrain. Don't, don't feel weird. Nobody's going to look at you weird, but just refrain because it's something that's special for believers. What's your business? How's business going? Think about that as we pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we get as the body of Christ, not simply individuals, but corporately, to come to you on a Sunday morning where we have seen the word, we have sang songs, we have prayed, we have sought your face, we've sought your guidance. And Father, in that, you would reveal yourself to us. In that revelation, there'd be a response to what you're revealing for us to do. That it would move us to be obedient. That literally, when we think about the understanding of corporate guidance, we as the body are seeking your face. Holy Spirit, speak. Move us in that sense to respond by the disciplines of prayer. Fasting, worshiping, listening versus talking. And as we take communion, let it be a time that's extremely special because we remember the sacrifice, Lord Jesus, that you made. A sacrifice that brings us salvation, but ultimately is for the glory of God. We love you. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said...